This is KGMI Connects with Joe Tian, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. It really is all about you and what you're thinking and what you have to say about it right here on KGMI Connects. 360-676-5464 is our phone number. And this is interesting, our... Listener and regular caller, Rich Infernil, gave me a holler earlier today and tipped me off about a New York Supreme Court decision that uh, reinstates sanitation workers who were fired by the city of New York, well, fired by New York City, for not being vaccinated against COVID-19, saying that the city acted in an arbitrary fashion against these employees. And one of the justices wrote that uh, then the mayor, the new mayor, who didn't initially uh, issue the vaccine mandate, but that uh, he then allowed our athletes, performers to uh, exemption to the order and that uh, can't treat people arbitrarily that that way under the uh New York Constitution, and I guess then the the the, 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 the I'm just reading the the order from the uh, or the the ruling from the High Court there in the state of New York saying that uh, that uh, being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19 as of the day of the decision. CDC guidelines regarding quarantine and isolation are the same for vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. Petitioners should not have been terminated for choosing not to protect themselves. Of course, that was not always the issue. I mean, I guess when when it comes to an employer deciding whether or not their workers should be, in this case, vaccinated against COVID-19, shouldn't the employer be able to decide, well, we need a workforce. And if everyone is coming down with this highly contagious illness, then it really makes it our are in this pay, in this case the the sanitation department makes it hard for it to uh, perform its function but um i mean if we'll see where this goes if this uh is uh, picked up and adopted by other uh high courts and other states uh the federal or the US supreme court i but you know once again i mean does that mean the military US military can't mandate um immunizations for its personnel because as i understand it that if you're if you're serving in the military and especially if you're sent overseas that you basically are pincushion you have to be vaccinated about against just about everything can't the city of new york order its employees to be you know you take a, a vaccination that it deems necessary uh, just as the military would say, hey, you have to be vaccinated against this and that and the other thing. I remember there were a few members of the military that uh, pushed back against uh, having to be vaccinated against anthrax when there was the anthrax uh, scare when it was sent in the mail, remember, back after 9-11. But um, those are some different issues that I'm sure will be considered coming up. But uh, as far as I know, here in Washington employees of the state still have to be vaccinated. I think uh, employees of the city of Bellingham still have to be vaccinated as well. But, uh, well, we can talk about that. We can talk about whatever is on your mind. It's uh, KGMI Connects, and um, we want to hear from you. 360-676-5464. And Connie in Ferndale gets us going today. Hi, Connie. Hi there. I listen to your program regularly. Well, I'm glad to have I, I you. Enjoy, I enjoy it very much, uh, even though you have uh, most of the same callers. I'm glad you allowed me to call in today and accept my call. I just wanted to put a shout out uh, to you because I feel you're becoming a little bit too biased in this program. I appreciate that you don't uh, maybe see eye to eye with Republicans. But I and I uh, am on the Republican conservative side, but I think you are allowing your biases to um, 
and in motions to get into the programming. I'm a firm supporter of law enforcement, and I was in tears uh, yesterday hearing what you had to say, uh, whether it was a joke or not, about this conspiracy theory you had. Um, and it just hurts me. My husband has been in law enforcement his entire life. It, um, and when he comes home, it's a blessing, and some of his friends don't. And I just I don't think you or the public education system or Washington State in general uh, appreciate first responders or law enforcement or federal agents like they should be. And I think we do realize it is democratic bias. Uh, and if if Democrats supported law enforcement, they would have stood up a long time ago and said, defend the police instead of defund the police. Okay, Connie. Well, I appreciate you calling, definitely. And I certainly appreciate your, your family members' um, law enforcement career and their their service and i i have nothing but respect for law enforcers and i've got close what i consider to be close relationships and close friendships with our law enforcement community those uh, those officers that i do know and actually work with to a degree in in a communication sense and i really do appreciate them i guess i don't really agree that democrats don't support law enforcement and Republicans do. I think there's a lot of support among our Democratic lawmakers for law enforcement. And, um, and yeah, my bias shows through. I think that's kind of uh, uh, characteristic of talk radio. That's sort of what we do. But I want to make this program a forum where you're free to voice your opinion, whatever it is. And I'll I'll spout off a little bit here and there. And what I said yesterday about a conspiracy theory, I, I was joking. And I'm sorry if you thought that it was in bad taste, but uh, I do appreciate you calling. I appreciate it. And I think the show is very fine. I just, I, I would appreciate it if you took more of a neutral role. And I understand that's hard in, in the climate we have right now. And, um, I disagree that Democrats have supported law enforcement, but we'll see. Okay. I appreciate the show, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Connie. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for your call. And um, I, I I think there's been, uh, uh, well, there's so much rhetoric out there, and during a campaign, that's what we get. And um, there are wild statements being made, and if you look at the commercials, I mean, um, and, and by and large, the claims are being made against Democrats because I guess we have to admit it. Democrats hold the, the bulk of the seats that at least here in our region, if you were talking about Congress, well, there are Democrats, uh, that are the incumbents. If we're talking about state legislators, they are by and large in, incumbents are, are Democrats. So they are going to be attacked by those who are challenging them. And they're, you know, some, some kind of out there claims, I would say, being made about Patty Murray supporting keeping fentanyl out on the streets and uh, and some of these other issues. But uh, give us a call, 360-676-5464 is our phone number. And uh, we'll get to JT here in just a moment. All right. (laughs) We got to put him on hold there, Jason. So we'll put. We'll get, hey JT, you're on the air. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Hey JT, I mean Joe Tian. Yeah, we're two JTs. Yeah, what's up? Go ahead. Oh, JT. Okay, go ahead, JT. You got put back on hold for a moment, but go ahead. Oh yeah, well, you know we we have the number two pick uh, running back in the last draft here last um, April. Uh huh. Uh, Talking about the Seahawks, Ken yeah. Walker the third. His nickname is K Nine because he wears number nine. Oh yeah, and uh, anyway, I get it. If you noticed how slowly Chuck Knox, I mean, I, uh, excuse me, uh, Pete Carroll <laughs> and the crew, the coaching crew, uh-huh. they brought him on slow. They had him practicing more than playing in the game and everything. And he's just now coming out, and he's just super good. Uh huh. Yeah. He's really the number good. one. 
the number one running back that was picked ahead of him was this guy out of Iowa named Brees Hall. And with the Jets, they had the pick just in front of us. Mm -hmm. And they stuck him right in the game. No prep, no, you know, and now he tore his ACL this, this, sadly this weekend out for the year. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and the Jets. The, he, he was one of the uh, one of the the one of the players that was really turning around the Jets. But uh, yeah, this Kenneth Walker's he he's going to be a star. Well, they put too, they, they they put too big a load on the rookie. That's coaching. That's play calling. That's managing his career, and they just destroyed it in in like seven games. I'm talking about Brees Hall. Uh huh. You know, and yeah. it reminds me of a couple other times like. One year we had the second pick, the Supersonics. Portland had the first pick. Portland picked Greg Odom. Uh-huh. Seattle picked Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, evaluating the talent is a skill. Exactly, yeah. I, I learned that when the, the one year that I did fantasy football, and I realized that how difficult it is to, even when you have players that you see out there playing in the NFL every week, how difficult it is to really understand and, and to balance a team and everything like that. It was too much work for me, but yeah. All right, well, JT. You know, oh, go ahead. I, I just, one last thing I wanted to finish on, because I was listening to the uh, post uh, game press conference when uh, Ken Walker, the third came up to have his little moment. Yeah. And what he talked about, because he does some ridiculously skillful jump cuts that no one else has ever seen before and moves that he makes. And not only that, when he's making those cuts and moves, when his knee is bent, he's actually loading up his quad. I mean, that's how strong this kid is. He reminds me of um, Emmett Smith. Yeah, yeah. He's an inch taller, but um, see, that's all prep. They're practicing this stuff. It's choreography. They're practicing it. And that's what these other teams don't do. They don't develop talent. They just use it. Exactly. They use it and abuse it, especially running backs. You know, they, they figure, oh, we'll use them for a couple of years and then ship them out if, or, you know, let them go. Yeah. It's kind of tragic, but it true. Is. Yeah. All right, JT. Hey, good to talk. Good. Last, Real quick. Okay. I just want to say, Green Bay Packers have got a really a plateful this year. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, that's that's been rough. That's for sure. Later, later, man. They'll turn it around. I like to think. But thanks, JT. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more, and we want to hear from you. Whatever's on your mind, 360-676-5464. AirTech Heating is a premier Linux dealer celebrating three decades of serving our community. They'll install the perfect system to keep you warm all winter long. As a premier Linux dealer, whether you need maintenance or a new furnace, heat pump, ductless heating system, or a new gas fireplace, you can always count on the expert at AirTech Heating to give you an honest estimate on the best system for your home. Call AirTech Heating today at 734-5010 and online at airtechheat.net. Hi, I'm Lorraine from Lorraine's Window Coverings. We offer our clients the best of both worlds, a store full of the latest affordable Graber products, including remote control options, and then we come to you with just the right samples and our professional installers do the rest. We're a family-owned and operated business that's been serving our community for over 25 years. We always strive to go above and beyond to make sure our customers are as happy as this recent reviewer. We had a wonderful experience. Our consultant came to our house, took measurements, and made recommendations based on our needs. Once approved, we were given a timeline, which was spot on. Installation was scheduled, and the installers arrived on time and worked efficiently. The price was reasonable, and the outcome was even better than we expected. Need window treatments? Check out Lorraine's window coverings online, and then just call. 738-8175. Call Lorraine for your new blind. Lorraine's Window Coverings in Bakerview Square. My name is Marcus Vierta, and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Soul. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the state Senate. I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for state Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. 
We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. Thanks for joining us here on this Tuesday. We'll go right, right back to the phones. Robert in Bellingham joins us. Hi, Robert. Hello. Um, I'm pretty much a liberal myself, so I appreciate an open show where anybody can talk, and, and I think it's perfectly okay to have your ideas, too, that it helps stimulate, because you get plenty of conservative uh, people on the radio, so it's nice to have a voice, a variety of voices. And my thought about the uh, police is I back when, after Floyd, after that, he was killed, um, I was... Uh, I didn't actually support the protests against the police because I think sometimes there's an anomaly like that where something isn't done properly. But in most cases, I I think the police are fine. So I wasn't a a fan of the Black Lives Matter movement and all those protests that took place back in 2020. I, I just felt like police have a very hard job. And I, I think, for the most part, they aren't the problem. It's uh, the fact that society has a lot of problems. You know, like the, you know, like there's a lot of people that don't want homeless people in their neighborhood because you know the housing's too expensive. And there's a lot of other things that could be seen as discriminatory that people participate in. I think we're always trying to look for a scapegoat, but we really need to look at ourselves. And one of the problems that conservatives talk about being on the side of police, but um, the term defunding police sort of comes from anger. I don't really like that term. But um, it, what will defund police is, is if people don't like government because taxes pay for police. And police are a fairly expensive service, and I think they are a valuable service. And I think a better term might be an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And rather than saying defund the police, it might be good to say if we adequately take care of housing, health care, mental health, things like that, it's kind of like you go to the doctor for to get your blood pressure checked and have that controlled rather than waiting until you have a stroke and have to go to the emergency room. The police are the last resort to protect the civil society, but you do need these other services. And I, instead of saying that the police are the problem, it's just they're there to, to they're the last resort. But they're, I think, for the most part, they they do very good. I, I certainly wouldn't want to. I, I would. I think it'd be a difficult job, so I'm very yeah. appreciative of the police. Yeah, but I, 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 I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think you, you're you're correct. I I I see many of these programs, and now we're going to vote on uh, should we have a, a new uh, funding, per, you know, funding the uh, revenue stream for uh, early childhood education, child care, some of these vital um, vital services that. Many people can't afford. They just can't provide for their kids. And isn't that uh, something that could help society in the long run and be an investment in, uh, in many ways, in, uh, in public safety in the future? I, I, that's how I look at many of these things. But appreciate it, Robert. Thanks for your thoughts. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to admit that uh, I did vote against one of the the jail at one point, but I think I would vote for it now. And one of the problems there is that uh, there were two, there's the people who believe in restorative justice that that want alternatives to incarceration, and they were against the jail, but there were also a lot of conservatives, in a way, because one of the problems is that um, the jail uh, costs a lot of money, and Washington State has a limit, a on how much local governments can tax themselves. And I think if I'm correct, at least the first time it went on the ballot, I think even the police union in Bellingham was against it because they were afraid that they would max out our taxing ability. And then if we needed a new public safety 
thing like a fire oh. station or something for 30 years we would be stuck because it. Hmm. it would max out the limit on our state how we can how much we can tax ourselves i guess okay <laughs> yeah i don't yeah i'd so this a while back but uh it'd be interesting to see how that old debate because we'll be having it in the next uh, probably in the next year or so as uh, more as plans kind of come to fruition for a new jail. But uh, thanks for your thoughts, Robert. Let's go to Michelle in Bellingham. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Joe. Um, I was very touched by the lady who was the first caller today. And, um, you know, I could just feel her um, frustration, I guess is the best word. I don't think she was trying to be overly critical of you, and she certainly complimented the uh you know, public affair nature of the program and how outstanding it is. And I know I've enjoyed participating, and I've enjoyed listening to everybody else. But before I give you my take on criminals, I just want to say I mailed my ballot today. I filled it out after it arrived in the mail last night. I'd already read both of the voters' pamphlets and made all my decisions. And I've been a moderate Democrat, registered Democrat, for over 40 years. I originally registered that way to vote against the extreme lefties, the woke crowd in today's parlance, um, they used to be just called extremists back in the day, and or communists or socialists. But anyway, I can't stand any of it. But I do appreciate, um, you know, some of the Democrats, and I voted for many, many over the years. This time I voted almost entirely GOP because they're the ones that are more openly supporting the police. But, although I give Alicia Rule credit for stepping forward and supporting the police, but um, I have to say... What people don't understand, it's not that Patty Murray, who I voted against for the first time, by the way, um, it's not that Patty Murray Murray deliberately is trying to help criminals. It's not that you are deliberately, uh, you know, trying to be overly liberal in helping criminals. It's not that anybody, very few people, except for maybe some of the extreme progressive people who don't seem to understand the need for jails, very few people are actually supporting criminals, and certainly they're not supporting violent murder or violent rape, and, you know, well, right. it's all violent. But I'm just saying that the most people um, do not – well, some of the people, younger people especially, they have the that ACAB, all cops or you know, what they are, they say, and – and, um, you know, it, it, there are things that are very negative toward the police, but I don't think most people, they may be anti-police, but I don't think there's so much pro-criminal as they don't understand, and this is the crux of my comment, they don't understand the nature of criminality, and I do. Been in the media for over 50 years. My friends are starting to call me Lady Law because they hear me on your, on your show, and I'm well known for my support of law enforcement anyway. But it's just the idea. I was going to be one, but they, the police chief that was my dad's great friend said I'd shoot first and ask questions later. So I, oh, just, I decided <laughs> not to be a policewoman. He was probably right. I, I am very, very, um, shall we say, when it comes to things like true evil, you know, violence, okay. evil attacks on people, I wouldn't hesitate to kill somebody to save somebody else's life. But anyway, the point I made, and I've never done that, but I would do it if I had to. The thing is that, um, you know, I just think that people are the crux. The people are incredibly naive about the nature of some, not all, some criminals can be rehabilitated. And like you say, some just didn't get much of an education when they were young children in many respects. You know, many it's just sad. Come from terrible families and terrible schools and everything else. But criminals who are incredibly violent, who are out on the streets despite a rap sheet three feet long like this black man who killed a, a much-loved black man in the Seattle community there a few days ago. That's caused quite a ruckus. Right. To let these people out, you know, especially this ridiculous no-cash bail for, you know, criminals who are violent, this is absurd. We okay. have to understand that people need to be imprisoned when they are or treated or held in confines, confined, confined. If they are insane, violent, have no conscience, whatever, and it doesn't matter what their race or religion or identity is, it matters that they're a danger to public right. safety, I, and, and that's I, what I, we need to care I, about. I think we all agree with that, and I don't know, though, that our state legislature or 
the U.S. Senate, uh, Democrats uh, and Patty Murray in the U.S. Senate have voted. That, I mean, they don't set bail. Uh, these, the bail is set by judges and whether someone is held uh, in on a crime. And from what I see, from my perspective, is that people who do commit violent crimes here in our community, by and large, they do sit in jail until they go to trial. Well, and we can only hope. But it's just that Alvin Bragg in New York and the guy in Philadelphia um, named Larry, I can't think of his last name right now, uh, the guy in L.A., Gascon, who's a real nightmare. These people are all, you know, this is far afield from Bellingham. And our prosecutor, Eric Ritchie, is much different. He's a good man. But these people, oh. these, these famous prosecutors who are ultra Oh, the word ultra progressive, ultra this, ultra that. They are letting criminals out right and left in these big cities, and this should never happen. These people need to be jailed and jailed for a long time, and some of them need okay. to be executed. All right. Well, and, uh, well, and no, I don't. I don't care if somebody's executed if they've committed a violent murder. Uh, oh, I don't okay. care. You All know, right. <laughs> That's be. another debate. But thanks, Michelle. And I, I think you make a, an important distinction here. And I think it's one that we need to keep in mind when it comes to policing is that when we hear that, that police departments are very different. I think uh, our police department in Bellingham, much different uh, organization from top to bottom than, say, Seattle or, say, Minneapolis or Chicago and some of these troubled uh, troubled big city um, police departments. But um, And we have to keep that in mind as well. But we'll take a quick break. we got other folks on the line. Get right to you. 360-676-5464 on KGMI Connects. Are you on Medicare? Hi, this is Marcia Neal with Vibrant USA. The Medicare annual enrollment period is underway. This is the time of year to review your Part D prescription drug plan or Medicare Advantage plan and make changes for January 1st. If you need assistance reviewing your plan options this year, give Vibrant USA a call at 866-733-5111. There is never a fee for our service and our friendly agents will be happy to assist you. Hello folks, are you ready to get your state planning affairs in order but you don't know where to start? Would you like to hear about the difference between wills and trusts? Do you want to learn how to avoid probate? Do you have questions about Social Security and Medicare? Is it important to you to make life as easy as possible on your spouse and loved ones if something should happen to you? This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham. Join me right here on KGMI every Saturday at 1 p.m. for the Aging Hour and let me show you how to set your family up for success in your retirement. Hi, I'm Dan Johnson running for state representative. With increased crime, the cost of living, and students falling behind, our state is heading in the wrong direction. This November, you decide where we go from here. As your next state representative, I will fix these issues. Instead of defunding police and releasing dangerous criminals from prison, I will support law enforcement and give them back the tools they need to keep dangerous criminals off the street. Rather than add more taxes that increase the cost of living, I'll vote to cut property taxes, sales tax, and the gas tax. If you hear this and think, I could sure use a break right now, I'm right there with you because you won't get this from my opponent. My opponent works directly for Governor Jay Inslee. We can't afford another two years of more anti-police laws, higher gas taxes, and more fees that add to the cost of living. If you want something different out of Olympia, you need someone who will vote differently in Olympia. I'm Dan Johnson, and I would be honored to be your next state representative. Paid for by Vote Dan Johnson. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. We'll have time to hear from you. Let's go now to Tyson in Linden. Oh, we lost Tyson. Let's go to our friend Rich in Ferndale. Hi, hi, Rich. How's it going, Joe? Doing well. What's on your mind today? Oh, I was wondering about this new gas tax that everybody's been talking about. And it's not really a gas tax. It's the carbon tax cap-and-trade thing they passed 
I did a whole bunch of looking around on the Department of Ecology website and other state websites, and it's uh, they tasked the Department of Ecology with assessing, you know, limiting the amount of carbon any business can put out, and then if you emit more than that, according to them, they will fine you, or you have to, not a fine, you have to buy these carbon credits, mm-hmm. and then that money goes into a fund run by the Department of Ecology, which supports climate uh, equity and racial justice. I mean, I, I sent you a screenshot, I think, last night from the Ecology website. And so they are promising to judge people differently under the law by race. It says adopting a racial lens. So that this is going to be, this is going to cost the consumer. So a third party, uh, I don't know, accountants have said, okay, this carbon tax is going to cost you X per gallon of gas or diesel. It's kind of an estimate. We don't really know exactly what it's going to come out to, but it's going right. to be a lot. It's an because assumption would, that that right. yeah that these companies will pass that along to consumers. Right, and you do because if you don't pass along your expenses, you operate at a loss and you're out of business and or you can't pay your pay your creditors. So you operate at a, they, at they, a lower profit level. But go but ahead. See, there's there's no such thing as as low to no profit. These corporations, especially big oil, they want to make money, and of course, the oil's priced on the world market. And it's really high right now. So a lot of the domestic, like our oil comes from Alaska, a lot of it. It's refined here. It does not cost double to get out of the ground what it did two years ago. It's just double because the world price of oil is double. Right. right. So they're, made, they're making good money. And that's fine. That's how the market is. It probably we should have a nationalist market. But nevertheless, we're gonna, this is going to be burdensome to the average person. And these candidates, the Democrat candidates especially, we're going to cut taxes on middle class people. You, they just raised the cost of middle class. It's not a tax, but it does cost these people. This carbon tax will cost the end user. And it's a lot of money. You know, 50 cents a gallon, what does the average person do? 20 gallons a week to drive to work and back five times? So that's 10 bucks a week, 40 bucks a month, 40, 50 dollars a month times what's 400, 500 a year. That's, for some people, that is going to stretch them. So it's kind of sad to see this tax run by a uh, uh, agency that answers to no one. These people are not elected, Department of Ecology. They are appointed. So they get to do the dirty work that legislators would love to do, and then you call your legislators and say, hey, how come this is happening? Well, we don't appoint them. It's not our fault. You know, they, they get to pass the buck. So I was very upset reading all those things last night from the Ecology website. They're promising to be racist. I mean, it's unbelievable what we've come to. We're going to cost, and so this does not help the environment. This collecting of money is just a wealth redistribution to people that are underserved. You heard the word underserved. What does that mean? What is underserved? That could be interpreted 10 different ways by 10 different people. But you're also going to see a lot of things go to court over the definitions they put out in their uh, agenda, like such as adopting a racial lens. I read that over and over, and I just I couldn't believe it. Adopting a racial lens. I'm thinking... But that's assuming there hasn't been a a racial lens that maybe we haven't been aware of as as white Americans. The law does not say to treat people differently according to race now, does it? Well, right. Exactly. That's up to the people who are interpreting the law. Yes, there will be bias. That is inherently human. It will never, ever change just as you and I have different opinions. But the law, the letters of the law on the black and white paper say to treat people equally. There's okay. nothing you can do beyond right, that. Right, right. Well, the law says that, but then our, our state Supreme Court, I mean, just, and this is kind of off, you know, we're going down a different little okay. path here, but but down okay. down this uh, on this racial uh, issue, our state Supreme Court has said, for instance, our justice system has indeed treated people of certain races differently than those of other races. And Can so they our, point our, to a law that has allowed that? Can they point to an RCW that has allowed that? No, or is it just no, how the people carried it out? It, it's how it's been carried out, exactly. That is not the fault of the law. That is the fault of the people who are in charge right, of the but, law. But there's but a then, big difference. But then you're saying that there's no remedy for that, that bias is baked into human beings, so it is. it's baked into that the system. That is the reality of life. We have well, opinions. okay, sure, that's true. But then in, a, in an official capacity, someone is not supposed to function in in a biased way in any way, shape, or form. Well, They're supposed to be you, able to put that outside them. the door. When someone, 
when someone does that, you you punish them because that is against the law. But the but concept is that when past, it's institutional, right? it's not it's not an individual see, doing no, it. That institutional that theory that is the theory that is complete fairy tale okay. land. There All is right. no such thing as institutional racism. Nope. Papers and words are just words on a page. Okay, they don't Rich, do anything. <laughs> All right, anyway. all right. That, I mean, I'll I'll let you. Yeah. That's your opinion, and we'll leave it yeah, leave it no, there. We'll okay. continue it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for your call. Uh, and that's where the debate is over the idea of uh, or the concept of uh, of systemic racism, and uh, and obviously there are are multiple sides to that argument. But appreciate it, Rich. Let's go to Kathy in Ferndale. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi, turn down your radio because we're on a Hi. delay. It'll be confusing. There. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, what's on your mind today? Uh, oh, uh, I just wanted to talk about something. I haven't quite figured out who I might contact and get information more, but uh, I'm out in Ferndale uh-huh. toward uh, Lummi Reservation. And, uh, there are acres and acres of corn that a uh, friend tells me are GMO corn. And uh, I don't know how many people are aware of the information about GMOs and that uh, the problem with them is they they have to keep buying the seed each month, each uh, season, because it's not going to reproduce. And... Uh, the bigger problem is that there it introduces things like uh, Roundup, to, which are toxic, in the process. And it was touted to be uh, furnishing more food for the world's people, but it has not proven to do that. And in the Midwest, it has caused uh, huge disruption and actually ends up killing the bioorganisms in the soil that make the soil nutrients work and come into the plants so that we're getting nutritional food. So I'm sure a lot of people know about GMOs, and I'm just wondering if anything local is happening in terms of uh, conversations about this and awareness of it. And there there is a guy, Zach Bush, that has an excellent video that people can watch that's called soil health and many of the holistic doctors are talking about how we're going we are going to be healthy in accordance to how many uh, intact nutrients are in our soils and our big ag has not replenished nutrients and so that's part of the health problems these days where supplements tend to be necessary Okay. Yeah, and I'd be interested to find out, too, what the extent of, for instance, GMO crops are here in our community and our, in our, here in our county and uh, in our region. And uh, are, are they what they claim to be? Or, and and I, I know this debate has gone on for quite some time. I, I wonder if it's as awful as some people say or as much of a boon as others say. But... Um, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to find out more and find out what the local ag community knows and and feels about this stuff. Well, I had right. an experience of living near GMO corn uh, over near Pole Road, and it wasn't the huge fields that it is here. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, um, literally miles, people can drive out towards uh, Silver Reef and see the miles and miles of corn that you can especially see from the back roads that and weren't there before. It used to be potato fields. And you know and it's, it's so GMO sudden. now? Is it marked? It's GMO corn. And it came in so suddenly and in such a huge amount. And uh, uh, people do know that uh, it's online all over that that Bill Gates is buying up farmlands all over the country. And some people are of the opinion that he would, when, when something is GMO'd, apparently it can be patented. Okay. So that limits people's uh, access to seeds. 
All right. So, okay. so it's worth it's worth our community looking into. I mean, I'm not. Okay. I, I don't think it's theoretical anymore that it's very harmful to the soil and to people. Okay, Kathy, appreciate your call, and uh, we'll see what we can find out. I, if anybody knows, uh, give us a call and let us know what what your take is on this. We'll take a quick break. We got two minutes, and we'll be back here with your calls three six zero six seven six five four six four. State Representative Alicia Rule doesn't believe that one party or the other has all the answers. She knows that we need to work together to move our community forward. Alicia's worked hard to create opportunity for people who didn't go to college by expanding career and technical education in high schools. She's also working to restart Intelco. When it reopens, that means 700 union jobs back in Ferndale. Alicia Rule is the only pro-choice candidate in the race. She's endorsed by Planned Parenthood and Pro-Choice Washington. Alicia Rule has earned the support of law enforcement, She's earned the trust of the Fraternal Order of Police and the Bellingham-Wacom County Firefighters. Retired Bellingham Police Chief Flo Simon said, Alicia Rule said no to defund the police, increased pay for the first responders, and fought to criminalize non-medical use of fentanyl. She's been a fantastic state representative. I'm State Representative Alicia Rule. I hope that I can earn your vote. Paid for by Vote Alicia Rule, Democrat. Are you on Medicare? Hi, this is Marcia Neal with Vibrant USA. The Medicare annual enrollment period is underway. This is the time of year to review your Part D prescription drug plan or Medicare Advantage plan and make changes for January 1st. If you need assistance reviewing your plan options this year, give Vibrant USA a call at 866-733-5111. There is never a fee for our service and our friendly agents will be happy to assist you. If you're a business owner, then the last thing you want to worry about is whether your building will have heat from day to day. That's where Smith Mechanical comes in with HVAC experts who can make sure that your furnace is up to the task. As a Rude Pro partner, Smith Mechanical installs Rude commercial heating systems that offer cost efficiency and incredible comfort. Rely on Rude to ease your mind and keep your business cozy. Call Smith Mechanical today, helping customers save time and money for over 25 years. Go to smithmechanical.com. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. We've got a lineup of callers with a varied bunch of topics to discuss. Let's start with Bob in Bellingham. Hi, Bob. Hey, Joe. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. You want to talk COVID vaccines? Yeah, so you were talking a little earlier um, that Yeah, New York Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little uh, tidbit for you. So Governor Inslee's um, emergency declaration ends the 31st. And included in that is the vaccine mandate for state workers um, and, you know, all state employees. So that ends that. Okay. So our governor is saying that they're done, yet our mayor, our egotistical, tyrannical mayor, has already said he is not going to lift that vaccine mandate. Um, I think at this point, with what we know as far as vaccines and the efficacy, and that they don't stop the spread, they don't do anything that they were promised to do, he needs to just let it go down and drop that mandate. Because I know people that have been fired by the city for not being vaccinated, and they are suing, and they will win. And they want to hire more police officers. They want to hire more firefighters. They're short employees. Uh, and that mandate is not helping that situation out. I can guarantee you that. All right. So I think it's far time that he just, like I said, let your pride go, admit you're wrong, and drop that mandate because it's not helping anybody out. And it's been proven factually that those vaccines, supposed vaccines, do not stop you from spreading it. And that was the main thing that we were told is that it will stop the spread, and that was a lie. It was an absolute lie. So, again, he needs to drop that mandate and just let people live their lives and choose their own health care decisions if they choose to. That's just what it is. All right, so, Bob. A message. One more thing, though. Okay. One more thing, Joe. Okay. So the thing you said, you use the military. Here's the one difference. You sign up for that, okay? You know going well, in you have to get a lot of shots. When yeah. you go to have a job and all of a sudden there's a pandemic, you don't make the choice to all of a sudden be mandated to make health choices that are 
for your own personal decisions. So there is a difference there. Just well, to I that. guess, but I mean, a, a, the yeah. military is a job like a job. I mean, you you know you're going to go work for an employer. but And I would say the yeah. idea that the vaccines were always, all, that they're a lie, I mean, we from the big, they never tested. They, they were tested. They, they were they tested. tested. I mean, we didn't no, have time to. Never, we didn't have time. No, we didn't have time to test them over years no, to see how they would. Tested to see if it would stop you from spreading it. Yet that's what everybody was told. Get the shot to save your grandma. Well, that's what we were told. You're assuming that that they knew that they weren't, and you know, so you're assuming that all these experts who were saying this knew beyond a doubt that they weren't going to work, and then they were telling people that they would. So that would that would constitute a lie, saying this is it, the information we have at this point it, that we believe it will narrative. that it will. No, I, it's not. False I mean, yeah, of course it is. I mean, they they, right. they mandated to stop okay. the spread when they didn't even test them. And that wasn't even part of their well, of their uh, they, the, the trials they did. That wasn't part of it. They did not test well, they, it to see they, if it stopped the spread. Well, they, when that's you that's think totally about capable. it, though, I mean, the, the vaccines were available. And uh, thanks, Bob. But the vaccines were available less than a year after the pandemic became a thing. So there wasn't a long term. Uh, you know, most drugs and, and vaccines, for that matter, are tested over years to see how long they're they're effective. And this was seen as an emergency. I'll just put throw that out there. But appreciate your call, Bob. Let's go to Luke in Bellingham. Hi, Luke. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Doing well, doing well. You want to talk graffiti? Yeah, yeah, I want to talk graffiti. First off, I agree 100% with Bob there. That was that was great, Bob. Good okay. job, buddy. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, and, and, and man, it's turning into Seattle around here. I don't know, Portland, I grew up in Portland I, and, and played a lot of music in Seattle and and I mean, and I'd get done with a gig at, you know, one o'clock in the morning and we'd go walking around Seattle, you know, and it was fine. And, and, and now Seattle is moving here and, but the new Seattle and it's really, really bad. I don't know what is going on, but the graffiti is all over Bellingham and it's really disgusting and, and just sad to me, you know, and I don't know what we can do about it, but we need to, you know, this division has got to stop. You know, it's Democrats and Republicans are fighting, and then you, and and it's. I don't know what to say about it, but it, it, it politics has a lot to do with it. I, I just know it. Okay. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, and I I agree. I, I don't know what prompts people to deface the city they live in. I, it's... Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I pulled off of uh, down at Fairhaven, and there's a gas station that closed right there, uh, uh, right off the off-ramp. Uh-huh. And it said, they finally painted over it, but it said, kill pigs right there on that on the side of that abandoned gas station, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's just, and, and that whole gas station is covered in graffiti. You, you drive up uh, uh, Garden Street, I think it is, and all those old houses right there, there's some brick wall against the sidewalk there. That's all covered in graffiti. Downtown graffiti. I mean, they were burning American flags on the courthouse a couple of years ago and, okay. and painting and tagging stuff. It's disgusting, and it needs to stop. All right, Luke. I appreciate your call. Definitely. One thing we can do as property owners is to paint over it, get it, you know, get rid of it as soon as possible, and uh, maybe that'll send a message. But thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Let's go to Michael and Linden. Hey, Michael. Hey, Joe. How are you today? D- doing well. I uh, I heard the comments about the uh, systemic system earlier, and okay. I just want us to remind folks how the systemic system was created or, or how we got here. And uh, it's probably with the people that have been in office for 40 to 50 years. <laughs> you know, Joe Biden's been in there since the 70s. Nancy Pelosi's been in there since the 70s. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but Nancy Pelosi's father and her grandfather were both the mayors of Baltimore. Uh, his name was Thomas D'Alessandro. Uh So the Pelosi family has been involved in public service or public grifting, if you would, since 1903. So when you want to talk about this old systemic system and how it got to be so horrible for, you know, people that are lower income or minorities or oppressed people, you're looking at the very people that made that whole process the way it is all these years. Now, the the main thing that they used 
to prevent lower-income people from success was the four-year college degree requirement. If you don't have a college degree, you can't work for the U.S. government. You can't work for a U.S. corporation. So you're just somebody that has to be a, a waiter or a server or, you know, work at a, a, a unskilled laborer job. Okay. Or you could go into massive debt and obtain a degree where then you can also work for the systemic system. And that's how that whole process has been working for decades until President Trump, he removed that obstacle for skilled workers without a degree to still work for the United States government. Okay. And that simple executive order helped more Americans than the student loan uh, relief or the student loan payback that they're trying to push through. Okay. All right. All right, Michael. I want to, I want to, I've had Jim hanging on. Uh, I'll, I'll let those comments stand. I, I could respond, but I want to give Jim a shot because he's been hanging on forever. Hi, Jim. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Good. good. Yeah, just a minute or so. Go ahead. Okay. I'm just pointing out that uh, in the last election, we had like 160,000 million voters. Even with that, as a, as a, a presidential year, uh, there were still 80 million who didn't vote. And uh, I would guess most of those are poor. So these uh, cable news a- a- outlets that are financed, they, sh- they show the advertisers. They're not going to be socialists or even quasi-socialist advertisers. So they pay pretty much no in, uh, no attention at all to the group of people that would be their strongest allies if they really cared about anything other than porch climbing. Okay. Uh, and I will point out a guy named Stephen Moore. You may have heard of him, Club for Growth. He's a big Republican. They uh, I heard at the tail end of a report from England that he was the one over there advising on economic policy right when Liz Truss took over as the prime minister, and his right wing, you know, he th- he thinks that he has said this, uh, that um, capitalism is more important than democracy. And so that place is going to hell in a handbass, just like Chile did after the great Milton Friedman and his Chicago school got a hold of their economy after they tortured and slaughtered uh, okay. uh, Yende and thousands of people. And then that just went Okay. Privatized everything and it was a mess. So all right, Jim. Thanks. And then I got one more caller. I want to squeeze in Carl in Bellingham. Hi, Carl. Hello, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, You had some thoughts on GMOs? Real quick. uh, well I wanted to address the lady from Ferndale who was concerned about the GMO corn. Yeah. Corn has been grown here for a very long time. The corn that's grown here is cow food. It's dairy cow food. People are not eating this corn. Uh, it poses no threat to the food system whatsoever, yet sustains our dairy system. So that's where the corn's going. All right. All right. Well, appreciate that clarification and uh, appreciate all your comments. A very diverse uh, crowd today here on KGMI Connects. It keeps it interesting, that's for sure. We appreciate you taking part and sticking around and listening. And we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. KGMI Connects.